0: We don't need their apology. What we need is action. Why are we still labeling people as a felon for a $500 offense?
1: This is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today, your media hub for all things black entrepreneurship, politics, news, and events in Hampton Roads and beyond.
0: When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black Wall Street. Black Wall Street. When I say black, y'all say Wall Street. Black Black.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome to this special edition of Black Wall Street Today with Blair Durham. Today we will engage a candid discussion on race, politics and economic development. No matter where you're tuning in from, if you've been watching the national news, Virginia politics has been on display in a manner that highlights what is true about Virginia. Racism runs deep and prejudice was and may still be the norm. For those of us working at a grassroots level to create solutions, you'll definitely want to tune in today's conversation. Before we get underway, let's kick it over to Dr. James Womack for our national business update.
2: Good day, Blair. How are you? I'm good good. I'm well. I'm doing well today. Awesome. Hey, there are lots of good things to report to our listeners, so let's get started. Grants, that's free money. It's not as prevalent as some may have been led to believe, but there are some interesting grants out there available to assist small businesses. For example, according to businessgrants.org, the FedEx Small Business Grant is a nationwide competition that will award $50,000 in total to six deserving uh, U.S.-based entrepreneurs and business owners and the National Association for the Self-Employed has a growing a growth grant program that allows business owners to apply for financing a particular small business need. Interested? Visit www.businessgrant.org. That's www.businessgrants.org. The Miller Lite Tap the Future Business Plan competition is an annual competition for minority business owners sponsored by Miller Lite. Navigate to www.mltapthefuture.com for additional information. The Rural Business Enterprise Grants Program provides grants to finance the development of small and emerging businesses in rural areas. Funds can be used for land acquisition, construction, renovation, technical assistance, project planning, and more. For more information on this program, you can navigate to www.businessgrants.org. Morgan Chase announced Advancing Black Pathways to build on the firm's existing efforts to help Black Americans achieve economic success. The firm is expanding its Entrepreneurs of Color Fund to Greater Washington, D.C., providing capital and business training to un- underserved minority entrepreneurs in the region. For more information about Advanced Black Pathways, check out www.jpmorganchase.com A-B-P. When we talk about minority business, we are typically speaking about lending and capital acquisition. But what about insurance? We have to protect our investment. Well, billionaire Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway unveiled a simplified insurance product for small businesses that condenses key policy information into three pages. The new product provides coverage for workers' compensation, multiple liability coverage, Uh, property, and auto into three straightforward plain language pages according to their press release. And listeners, based on recent reports by the U.S. Small Business Administration, sales skills is one of the areas where many small enterprises fall short. So the Small Business Administration's core program in San Diego is holding a workshop on mastering the sales process. The instructional session will be held on Tuesday, February 19th. For more information, please contact the local SCORE office in the San Diego area. Lastly, Phoenix, Arizona. On February 19th, SCORE will hold a seminar on doing business with the federal government. You remember last week I said that the U.S. government is one of the largest purchasers of goods and services in the world. Well, here's your chance to see if your business has something to offer Uncle Sam. The seminar will be held in Phoenix, Arizona, and there is a fee for it. So for more additional information, please go to the SCORE website at www.score.score.org. That's it for this week, Blair. See you next week. Good day and good business.
1: Thank you, Dr. Womack. In light of Black History Month and today's talk, here is a Did You Know piece on championing economic development through entrepreneurship. Behind towering figures like Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King Jr. were the black taxi dispatchers, pharmacists, grocers, and other small business owners who were instrumental in making civil rights a reality. The story of the Montgomery bus boycott usually focuses on two key figures, Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. But without the development of carpools and the support of small businesses, the boycott could have never succeeded. Within 24 hours of Rosa Parks' arrest for refusing to give up her seat, leaders of the city's Black community called a meeting to propose a bus boycott. The next evening, the leaders gathered in Martin Luther King Jr.'s Dexter Avenue Baptist Church. The leaders included small business owners, lawyers, clergy, teachers, postal workers, and union leaders, though all agreed on the necessity of a boycott, alternate transportation lingered as the final question of the meeting. The city's relatively large network of Black-owned taxi companies, 18 companies operating approximately 210 cabs, provided the first solution. Each small taxi business eagerly offered its assistance, lowering its fares so that passengers paid the same as they would ride the bus, lending critical, tactical support to the early days of the boycott. But when city authorities learned that this network of small Black-owned businesses was providing critical organizational support to the protest, the police began enforcing a minimum fare law, prohibiting the cabs from offering the same low fare as the buses. But this did not hinder the boycott in the way that white city leaders hoped because a volunteer carpool replaced the cheap taxi service. And with the solution too, the assistance of the organizational network of small businesses proved vital. Black pharmacist Richard Harris worked tirelessly to orchestrate the carpool and offered his drugstore as a makeshift dispatch hub. Although city authorities prohibited one sector of small businesses from supporting the protest, another black owned business filled the taxi company's void. Did you know, as a leader, educator, philanthropist, and former slave, Booker T. Washington affected a major change within the African-American business community. Washington advocated for racial uplift through industrial and domestic education. He was one of the most well-known African-American public figures of the late 19th and earlier 20th centuries. Washington rose to prominence as the head of the Tuskegee Normal, and industrial institute, where he secured funding from white philanthropists, including Andrew Carnegie and later Julius Rosenwald. His Pressing to public notoriety occurred after he delivered "quote the Atlanta Compromise speech in 1895, and years later he shared his life story in Up from Slavery." Washington renamed an important leader of the black community, although some considered his philosophies controversial. Washington emphasized a champion of black industrial education and economic development. His message was consistent. He believed in self-help and entrepreneurship. He started Tuskegee in the summer of 1881 with two log cabins and 30 students. And at the time of his death, the school included more than 100 buildings, 2,300 acres, and 185 teachers. He was a great thinker and a charismatic leader. His legacy in supporting African-American education remains intact with the success of Tuskegee University. Washington's ability to secure funding through people like Julius Rosenwald funded not only Tuskegee, but also the development of thousands of elementary schools throughout rural areas in the South. Many Black entrepreneurs followed the tenets of Booker C. Washington, who had established the National Business League in 1900 to promote economic self-help. Washington advocated economic development as the best path to racial advancement, and the means to eventually challenge the racial prejudice of Jim Crow. Our two guests today are no stranger to the public. Let's welcome Gary McCullum and Dr. Ray Allen. Gary McCullum is a businessman, minister, veteran, and community leader. The first in his family to graduate college, McCullum served as an Army Rangers intelligence officer before a 26 year career in telecommunications. Following his retirement from Cox Communications as vice president, McCullum was the Democratic nominee to represent VA's seventh state Senate. District, capturing nearly 46% of the vote. McCullum is the recipient of numerous awards and accolades and is an associate minister at the historic First Baptist Church of Norfolk. In 2017, McCollum launched TM Gary Associates, a consulting firm that provides strategic planning solutions and vision casting for businesses. How are you, Gary?
0: Doing great. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. And Dr. James Allen is an associate minister at New Hope Baptist Church in Virginia Beach and the principal broker of the James. Allen Group In his 30 years experience in real estate sales he's been an agent and office manager of the Chesapeake office of Realty Executives he started his own firm in 2010 Dr Allen is a firm believer in sharing his knowledge with others providing professional training and coaching to his agents. He also shares his knowledge with the general public through his Educated Buyers series. Dr. James Allen presently serves as president of the Virginia Beach Interdenominational Ministers Conference, where he works with a tremendous group of pastors and ministers to empower others to be all God has designed them to be. Again, welcome, Dr. Allen. Good to have you both here today.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Awesome. Well, let me first make a very public disclaimer as we're getting underway. First off, if you're just tuning in, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. I'm here with two phenomenal guests to discuss race, politics, and economic development. I know that these topics are hot and heavy, um, but if I am unapologetic about anything, it's the fact that everything we do is solutions oriented. We're not here simply to have a conversation. I think we're very clear on what the past has meant. We certainly know where we are right now, um, but we've we've got to talk through what moving forward looks like. And so I feel like we've got the right people in the room to have that conversation. Can we agree to that?
0: Yes, I'm, I'm honored to be here with Dr. Allen and with you, Blair.
1: So let's get started, gentlemen. Where are we? What would you say?
0: You know, we're, it's a very interesting time, uh, you know, I, when you look at what's going on uh, politically in Richmond with our top three um, elected officers, um, you, you look at just the state of where we are uh, in terms of, of race relations. Um, there are many of us who are, who are not surprised by this. We've made a tremendous amount of progress, but at the same time, and, and Dr. Allen and I have talked about this forever, I, we we tend to believe that the that the civil rights issue of our time is economic equality.
1: Absolutely. Uh, three
0: years ago, we uh, launched a, a freedom, a freedom and justice march in Virginia Beach because we were pushing for uh, a disparity study mm-hmm. uh, because we knew that the largest city in in the state of Virginia uh, was was woefully behind in terms of its efforts to spend. Money to have purchasing and contracting uh, plans in place to deal with women and minority firms. And so um, the playing field is not level. It's not It's not an even playing field. And yeah. there are systemic issues, there are structural issues that have to be addressed. Um, we, we get excited when we see, you know, black uh, face and, and KKK uh, robes. Mm-hmm. And, and clearly, you know, those are horrible uh, images to be seen Uh, But at the same time, um, the real damage that's being done is the systemic racism, the structural racism that exists. Mm -hmm. And that's where we've been. We believe that uh, there's a correlation between that that single mom or that young struggling family not being able to make it economically in terms of housing and food and transportation and their ability to make sure that their kids are educated properly. There's Mm -hmm. a correlation between. Sure. Uh, there's a correlation between the achievement gaps that we see in school and the economic uh, viability that we see uh, in our in our uh, in our cities and 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 uh, frankly throughout the state. So those are the things that we've been doing. We've been pushing this to say that we have to level the playing field, uh, and um, I'm just hoping that uh, that we'll be able to do that.
1: You raise a lot of interesting points there. Just thinking through, um, we had some of the leaders from the city of Virginia Beach um, on the show several weeks back, you know, we talked a little bit about the results of the disparity study. They were results that I think we all knew going in, right? What it, What is it going to mean? I mean, I now have this super thick document, you know, and I'm I'm impressed with it, you know, and I know that there's a push to have the same thing happen in neighboring cities. Um, But how does it translate?
3: Well, what it means now is that we now have a legal remedy should not they move forward with leveling that playing field. Okay. Uh, They can no longer say that we do not have qualified contractors out there to do the things that the city of Virginia Beach contracts out for because the disparity study showed that there are people there who can do it. Um, What we have to do at this particular point in time is help them craft a workable plan they uh, have got to continue to educate the contractors and the business persons out there, and they've got to also push for subcontractors to be a part of the main contractors' contractors' uh, mm-hmm. bids as well. For instance, if they're going to give it to a majority individual, then that individual should have a certain number of subcontractors who are minority small businesses and that type of stuff, and it'll get away. Uh, and let me hmm. throw something in on your first question. Please. You ask, where are we now? I think this is a critical point also for the African-Americans to recognize and realize that we have a lot of political power in unity. Sure. We have got to harness our unity. Uh, it does not surprise us, as Gary said, that we have this type of racist situation going on. We, we understand that. But we also understand that there are people who we have helped elect mm-hmm. that we may need to help unelect. Yeah.
0: And, I, and, I, I, and I, if I could just add to
3: that. Yeah. You know, let,
0: let's be really clear about this. Um, we're all upset about mm-hmm. the pictures that, and again, we know that the governor has denied being in the photos. But at the same time, let's set those aside for a second. Mm-hmm. Let's look at, again, the systemic, structural Policies that have been put in place, mm-hmm. not just under his administration, but uh, prior administrations. Sure. I mean, I look at right now the fact that we have a, a, a community, Union Hill, uh, predominantly African American hmm. uh, uh, community, uh, that is being impacted uh, by um, by Dominion Power, and you know this is this is this is environmental racism, sure. because I'm not sure if if that was some other community, you would see that uh, that effort, that uh, that processing facility come to that community. And that community has been fighting that. They've been pushing uh, against this. And, and we've seen no leadership, frankly, in either party to, to do anything about that. So again, I, I, I don't know what the governor is going to do. He says he's not going to leave office. Uh, I've heard that some have called uh, that he's on this apology tour right now. Hmm. Well, frankly, uh, this is not a time for apologies. If you're staying in office and you really want to be effective, it's time for action. And there are it's things fine. that can't be done: dealing with the effects of environmental racism, dealing with the effects of of um, inequity in terms of, of the disparities that we talked about in terms of purchasing. Uh, and contracting, not just at the city and municipal level, but at, but at the state level. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's an executive order that's been in place every year to to help spur um, uh, minority and, and small business. Executive Order busy- 20 yeah, ex- is ex- it? Executive Order 20. Yeah. When are we going to get that codified? Yeah. When is that going to become there law? There was why? a try. Didn't it
1: make it through subcommittee well, well, again Well, last well again, last week. Why are it?
0: we doing those things again? Yeah. Uh, it, that's now huge. is not the time for talk and apology mm-hmm. it's now the time for action <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. and, and let me let me put here on you Gary on that situation
1: before you do okay. just for folks that may have just tuned in uh, this is Black Wall Street today with Blair Durham having a candid conversation with Dr. James Allen and Gary McCullum about race and politics and economic development. We've got about three minutes till break. You want okay. to take us in?
3: Yeah, just 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 briefly. On this executive order 20, this is something that we have been working with at the Equipping Business for Success Institute uh, for a long time. We've been to Richmond trying to get this thing codified mm-hmm. at least four or five times. Mm-hmm. And the governor's office has always sent one of their staff representatives to say... The so it
1: is the governor's office, office well, that's the, holding it.
3: The governor's office is not necessarily holding it but the governor's office has always said we have no position
1: on
3: it meaning that they're not caring whether it's been done or not they're content to let it be something that's just passed year to year as opposed to getting it codified
1: and just to be clear we are referencing the small business procurement enhancement program we are definitely HB 1892 yes ma'am wow
3: that's it exactly now just think about it now here he is the governor who's willing to go out here on an apology tour I'd rather he would put the weight of the governor's office behind getting this thing codified. If he really wants to make amends, if he really wants to do something to show that he's not a part of the systemic mm-hmm. racist problem, do something that's going to be beneficial.
1: In a minute's time, you guys are with us the whole hour, thankfully. <laughs> we're here. Um, Thank you. Is he taking these kind of meetings, to your knowledge, has he met with the Virginia Beach Interdenominational Ministers
3: Conference. He has not. I he am the not. president. I have not heard
1: from him. Okay.
0: Yeah. And and, and I haven't heard from either. Um, I mean, I, I took a lot of heat from Democrats because I endorsed Perriello, mm. Tom Periello in the mm-hmm. primary. Mm-hmm. And people said, well, why would you do that? Ralph has been so great. He's been wonderful. Mm. And I said, well, I, I look at people's actions. And there are a number of actions, again, the primary one being when we were marching down Atlantic Avenue, Three years ago, to push for this disparity study, Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't get the governor to—he was the governor at that time—but I couldn't get him to to support us on that. And so, and again, there there are other issues that we can talk about, you know, later in the in the the show. But you know, we're talking—you know—what can we be doing around criminal justice reform? What can we be doing around uh, making sure that uh, we have tax policies that are fair for everybody? This current tax. Agreement between the governor's office and, and the GOP, look at it. Mm. Who does it benefit? Wow. I mean, it benefits a lot of... We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll get to that. but
1: Yeah, let's stop yeah. there. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited. We got, we've got 40 more minutes to share. But equity, really. We're talking about race. We're talking about politics. We're talking about economic development.
0: You know, 10th, 11th, 12th graders. And we're trying to get them to have this mentality that it's not just about getting a job. But it's creating a job. How do we create an entrepreneurial uh, um, appetite in our in our kids early on? And so to hear her call and talk about what's going on with the uh, Black-owned Restaurant Association, it was just kind of music to my ears. I'm glad um, it made me a little hungry too. I
1: know, I right? <laughs> so I'm like you, I, I believe there's a lot that we can do yes. on our own, right? Yes. But I also believe we're a part of the tax base. And so there's certain pieces, you know, that we've... You we've have to done.
0: level the playing field. There's yeah. no doubt about it. And we're paying a lot of taxes, but it's not being, you know, a budget is how you distribute those taxes. And Right now, the way we see it in Virginia, and in a lot of our cities, um, there are some people who are winning and there's some people who are not. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's really what we have to, we can't be silent about that. That's what King talked about. Mm-hmm. you know, That our days begin to end the day we become silent about those things that matter. And this stuff matters. Mm-hmm.
1: I gotta mention too, that the phone lines are open. I know there were some folks calling in earlier before we opened the line, 757-727-5711. If you wanna be a part of this, Solutions Oriented Conversation, I certainly invite you to call in. Again, it's 757-727-5711. I was listening earlier earlier today to something that you posted, uh, Delegate Marcia's, Marcia Price's um, recent speech. Yes. And she talked about the difference between equality and equity. Yes. Say more yeah. about that. I mean, the, 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 the best
0: way I can look at it. I mean, let me give you a, a physical picture of this. Mm-hmm. If I'm six feet tall, which I'm not, but if I were six feet tall, <laughs> yeah. and, and someone was three feet tall, and I and I gave everybody a one foot step stool, mm-hmm. that that's you know, I I did the I gave I treated everybody equally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but you didn't give me what I needed, right? The person who's three feet tall needs something else, and that's what we're talking. That's what she's talking about with regard to equity and equality. We've done some things, and we've said we're we're going to just treat everybody the same. I-, I learned a long time ago the most unequal thing you can do is to treat everybody equally. Wow. And 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 because there are issues that we have to address today, we like to look at what's going on, but we don't look at how do we get to this place? How, how do we get to you know the place that we're in today. You know there are policies that were put in place decades ago that affected housing, wealth creation. You know when when African Americans came back from the from World War uh, II and from the Korean War, it wasn't as easy for them to walk into a, a VA office and get a get a loan. Mm. You know we know the, pol- the housing policies that were out in those days, and I'm not just talking about redlining. I'm talking about government sanctioned discrimination where you couldn't get loans where other people could and that was created wealth within those families, which were then passed on to their children and their children's children. And so when you see the earnings and the wealth gap that exists today, and, and it's not where we're, we're blaming anybody, but we have to deal with truth here. Sure. That's what's going on. And how do we rectify those kinds of things? And that's where policies are, are really critical. And that's why we have to speak up.
1: Let's talk about it. I know Dr. Allen, uh, you mentioned something before the break um, in terms of having a legal, what was the term you used? Having a legal remedy, Uh right? So when we, uh, when we conduct a disparity study, we get the results that we knew, you know, all along, what then,
3: what can we do with those, those results, those outcomes? Well, the first and foremost thing is is to make sure that we hold the city of Virginia Beach feet to the fire. Okay. When there are bids put out, we need to make sure that they're put out in places where the minority, small women-owned businesses will have access to them as well. Hmm. And then uh, we monitor. We monitor and we ask them to publicize bid results, who these people are, how much they've got, uh, what is their minority participation, and if there is a uh, continued disparity, then the people will have legal redress. They can take these folks to court and file, you know, against discrimination charges against them. Now, let me ask you, let me also give you something to kind of piggyback on something that Brother McCollum just said. Sure. You asked this to be a solution oriented conversation. I think it's important. It's, I think so too. One of the things that we do at the Virginia Beach and the Denominational Ministers Conference is talk solutions. And the way you talk solutions is that you got to take a minute to look at the African-American community. We happen to be the largest minority in the United States who identify themselves with a church. Either we are the ones who go to church on a regular basis or we have parents who go to church on a regular basis. What we try to do as an interdenominational body is bring as many of those church groups together Mm -hmm. so that we can educate people. Too many people don't get this information that we're disseminating over the airways today. Mm -hmm. You can't make a solution if you don't have the facts. And we we, we do all types of things. We do voter education for our people. We do uh, interviews with candidates. We do political forums with candidates. One of the most uh, successful things that we started recently was our senior souls to the polls, where Mm -hmm. we bring those senior citizens whose shoulders we're standing on. Those people who are on the front line of the Civil War, the civil rights fights and battles, we bring them out. We treat them to lunch. We go over a, um, a sample ballot with them. We make sure they understand who these people are that's running. And then we put them in the church vans and carousel down to the polling place so they can do early voting. And one thing that Virginia Beach does very, very well, their polling people come out of the building to our vans, check our seniors, uh, identification information, and then they bring their, their ballots directly to the van. Our seniors don't even have to get out of the van.
1: That's awesome. That is
3: a tremendous asset. Mm-hmm. Solution lies in unity, it lies in information sharing, it lies in numbers. This is why the Faith, Freedom, and Justice March that we started three years ago is continuing, it's ongoing. We got the next one coming up February 23rd. We invite everybody in the audience to come and meet us at the Rudy Loop at Atlantic Avenue, Second Street. Wait a
1: minute. You know, I take very copious <laughs> notes during these sessions. <laughs> I'm not just doing radio here. I'm getting a lot out of this. Okay. <laughs> Can you say it again?
3: We have the Faith, Freedom, and Justice March. Third annual. third annual. Third annual Faith, Freedom, and Justice March. Okay. February 23rd. We meet at the Rudy Inlet, which is Second Street on Atlantic Avenue. That's our staging area. Got it. And we encourage you to come out Uh, Last year we had over 16 pastors out, probably, you know, representatives from at least 20 different churches, Uh, and we march. What time on the 23rd? You should be there no later than 8 o'clock because we shut down Atlantic Avenue so the the police help us do this and they start shutting down the roads to get down there you know between like 8 and 8 30 so if you come after eight o'clock you may have to park further away and then walk down to our staging area okay uh the march is a tremendous event bring your (laughs) sneaks
1: and and i've got a question if you're just if you're just tuning in though this is blair durham with black wall street today uh, having a conversation about race and economic development politics with dr james allen and with mr gary mccullum um, phone lines are open as well, 757 727 5711. So, about the marching, mm-hmm. I'm a fan because I, I do believe it's, a, it's unity. It's a demonstration of solidarity, right? Where does it go, though?
0: Can I take that one? Please. Because I was going to say, you know, I've had people come to me and say, why march? We, we don't need to march. <laughs> okay. um, my, my answer to that is, let's just look at Virginia Beach. Sure. And let's just take, we've been talking about the disparity study. Yeah. Uh, if you follow that issue closely, you know that then Mayor Will Sessions mm-hmm. was completely opposed to that disparity study. Mm-hmm. Um, said it was not going to happen. We don't need it. The council wasn't going to take any action. We marched. Mm-hmm. So what did the march do? I I think a a demonstration where you're saying to those in power that we are not happy with the direction that you're taking. We're not happy with the decisions that are being made. And it's a visible show of that. It's a, clearly we have to make sure that we're showing up at the polls and we're voting. But at the same time, it's not just about election day. We have to remember that Mayors, city council people, uh, delegates, state senators, governors, lieutenants, they work for us. We hire them on election day, but they work for us 365 days of the year. And if we're not happy with what they're doing, we have to voice that displeasure. Yes, we need to be writing letters. We need to be doing all kinds of things. But at the same time, a visible demonstration uh, is important because it lets people know that we're not going to be silent about these issues. That's what King was talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and fast forward, we have the disparity study in Virginia Beach. And I think you're going to see those studies. Virginia Beach, I think, will lead the other cities. Portsmouth has already done it, but I think yeah. you're going to see other cities do the same thing. And what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What that means is you're now going to start to see equitable distribution of purchasing uh, and, and contracts so that women and minority firms are able to fully participate uh, in, in, those, uh, in those, uh, those contracts. And that's gonna create wealth within these communities.
3: I think that's important. Yeah, please do. The other thing as we talk about economic development that happens is simply this. We know that African Americans are unfairly represented in the criminal justice systems. We also know that those returning citizens have a very difficult time getting hired. However, as we as African-American entrepreneurs go forward, these people are our brothers and our sisters, our cousins and our aunts and our uncles, our wives. So we are not as quick to not to hire them as they may run across in some other type of venue. And uh, I I can't remember the report that I read of that, but if we have all of the African-American entrepreneurs in America was to hire one returning citizen, we can put these people back to work. How is that developing economic? Well, very simply, instead of having a group of people who are shut out from even getting jobs, even getting a place to rent. I'm a, I'm a realtor by profession. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got people who have property management for that don't want a, a person with a criminal history mm-hmm. to rent from them. Mm-hmm. These are the type of things that have shut people out of economic development and economic growth. So this is, all this stuff is tied together. And um, we need to continue to put the word out there. Uh, my biggest fear is I'm not doing a good enough job with those younger people. Mm. So hopefully and preferably they're listening today. They are. We're listening.
1: Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um just was listening, I think it was last night, uh, Governor Northam announced that some 11,000 felons' rights have been restored. Wonderful. I,
0: I mean, I'm all for that. That's yeah. wonderful. It's great. They'll be able to vote. But at the same time, that's just the start. Mm-hmm. Dr. Allen hit the nail on the head. I can vote, but can I get a job? Because we know until you, you know, ban the box and, you know, I can actually go out and and uh, and, and and seek and, and get uh, employment. How do I eat? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and there are all kinds of issues. I have a young man who. Uh, who was, uh, you know, made a mistake in his 20s, he's now out, he's, you know, in his 40s, and, you know, we he's been struggling, trying to find employment because the system, the way it's set up, I have court fines that I have to pay off before I can actually go out and get my driver's license back. If I don't have the driver's license, then there's certain jobs that I can't get. This is the systemic racism and i say it's racism because when you look at who's being incarcerated right there's no read michelle alexander's book the new jim crow you won't go into all the detail but when i graduated from high school in 1977 there were 300,000 people incarcerated in the u.s across the entire country today that number is 2.3 million people and again a lot of them most of them are black and brown Mm -hmm. And so it, it it and that's not counting the folks who as Dr. Allen talked about who is who are now out but still carry that badge of being convicted. And so it prevents them from having quality housing and employment and all kinds of rights. It, Michelle Alexander made the statement in her book that that if you look at an African American in nineteen oh five and the and the lack of liberty and the lack of rights that they had, that's what a A a person today who's been touched by the criminal justice system, even though they're not incarcerated now, but they have, their rights are as limited as an African-American was in 1905, and that's today. And that's what we're dealing with. And so back to this issue of, back to the apology tour, Mm -hmm. we don't need the apology. What we need is action. Why are we still, why are we still uh, uh, labeling people as a felon for a $500 offense here in Virginia?
1: You just in, this is Blair Durham with Black Wall Street Today. We're talking about race and economic development and politics uh, here with Dr. Allen and Mr. Gary McCullum. Just to point out one thing, um, back when now Governor Northam and Ed Gillespie were running, uh, we hosted a couple of candidates forums. And one question that I asked of both candidates um, had to do with the school-to-prison pipeline. You know, I don't think you can, you can't talk about the school-to-prison pipeline without Talking about the prison industrial complex. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't really a conversation that Governor Northam could have. Because, you know, these are your constituents, right? Right. So how do we how do we deal with that? And the I guess the real question for me is something that you said earlier, Dr. Allen. Um, is what happens with the officials that we've elected truly up to us when we decide that this isn't working out? Mm -hmm. Is that
3: up to us? It's up to us for us to determine whether or not these people deserve our support in the future. Um, And naturally, it's not up to us what they do. We can't control what they do. We really can't control the environment that Mr. Northam was raised in. Sure. Um, but he has disappointed me on a number of levels. Uh, to hear him say, Well, I'm just learning this and I'm just understanding this is, is kind of contrary to some of the things that he told us as he was running. Because we didn't go into this thing with our eyes closed. You know, when when we support people in the Virginia Beach and the Denominational Ministers Conference, it's after we've done research, mm-hmm. after we've You've done interviews, yeah, yes, we've absolutely. vetted these guys. Mm-hmm. Um but, He was the best choice at the time. But it is up to us whether or not we want to sustain those people. If it was up to me personally, I'd be looking out amongst our colleges and universities and trying to tell our young people how powerful, important the work of political science is. Mm. looking among our church members, letting these young guys understand that you're going to have to be better at everything that you do, particularly your personal life. Mm. Um, Huge. It is huge. The the whole thing with with Mr. Fairfax is extremely disappointing as a father who Mm. has daughters, as a father who has Mm. sons. You know, uh, I think Dr. Veronica Coleman, one of our, the past president of the Minister's Conference said at best at our last meeting. She said, if it were my son, Mm -hmm. I would want that stuff investigated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If it was my daughter, I would want that stuff investigated Mm -hmm. so that we can understand where this thing is. And quite honestly, um, you know, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax is in a pickle. If he has indeed done these things, um, then he faces not only the end of his political career, but he faces criminal charges. Sure. If he has not done these things, we need to be careful that we don't stigmatize him for the rest of his life. So it's a catch-22. Um, Mr. Herring, um, one of the people said that if uh, people had done things in their past that was kind of like uh, the blackface or the hoodies and all that old crap, come out and tell us. Well, he came out and told us that so he's been vilified for doing what we had said that he should do. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got some mixed emotions about all of these things from a personal standpoint. Um, I am going to be cognizant. I'm going to be vigilant. And uh, I think I'm on the record. I think Mr. Northam um, has stepped over a boundary and lost all credibility. Mm. And You know, I, I, I
0: the comment you made about uh, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax, I just want to add, I, I think Dr. Coleman's, Veronica Coleman's, uh, the way she framed that, you know, personalizing it you know, if that were my son, mm-hmm. I would want him heard, I would want him, I would believe him. But if that was where my daughter's, I wouldn't want people discounting what they said right. either. Right. And so when I heard that there was going to be this move forward to um, Impeach bring him. impeachment mm-hmm. uh, articles, I, I called. That's again, what we can do because these folks work for us. Absolutely. You know, every one of us has not just the three elected governor uh, statewide positions, but we have a, a delegate and we have a, a senator that you live, you live in Virginia. Why? Well, and, and all of them pass laws that affect all of us. The guy who was going to bring the um, the articles of—I called him and said, you know, anything that you're doing to, to 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 move forward with a verdict with a judgment before you investigate before you is politically investigate.
1: motivated. Without due process, right? And that's
0: exactly right. And I'm just and, not. And, and we have a history in our country of, of passing judgment uh particularly on african americans before any uh any kind of trial any kind of investigation yeah. and and that that can't happen in 2019.
1: someone texted me two organizations um, whose work it is to investigate the other side they stand behind folks that have been in uh, that have been accused particularly of rape on college campuses yeah. Uh, because those tend to be folks that that look like us, you know. And what is the what is the motivation? I think it, it's a question that has to be answered for sure. Super excited for this special edition of our show uh, featuring Dr. Allen and Gary McCullum. Candid conversation about race, about politics, about economic development. We were having a conversation over the break. They're really one and the same, right? When yeah, you look at absolutely. the history here, I normally end on announcements, but I want to end on you guys. Please recap for us. Let us know what's coming up next. How can we... Um,
0: well, doc, Dr. Allen will talk about uh, February 23rd. Uh, February 24th, uh, okay. I'm honored. I'm going to be uh, keynoting um, an event uh, for the Virginia Beach NAACP okay. uh, coming up on the 24th uh, that evening uh, in Virginia Beach Townsend. I think it's at the Weston. So we're excited about that. I uh, love the NAACP. If you're not a member, you should join. It is the conscience of our nation, and uh, yeah. we need to have organizations that will speak truth to power, and that is one of those organizations. Awesome. Uh, I, I, the final thing I guess I'll say is
1: Can I you know, ask you, are you going to be talking about economic equity during that talk?
0: I, I'm absolutely going mean, but, but I'm also going to be talking about, to your earlier point, what can we do?
1: Okay. Solution. This
0: is not about looking for somebody else We are the change that we're looking for Fantastic. And so there's some things that each of us Individually and collectively we can do And that's what I'm going to be addressing on the 24th
1: Looking
3: forward to it Okay. Um, I think our final word is going to be um, That we will get through this That we will continue to push unity Information sharing we are going to continue to be the conduit as best we are able through the Virginia Beach the Denominational Ministers Conference to make sure that people know what the issues are and how we can address them. Um, February 23rd, I am always excited to get out of March. We open with prayer and we end with prayer. Uh, the people of God come out and they just state to the world that, hey, there is a moral compass in this world. And that. You know there is right and there is wrong and so this is what we try to do
1: exciting i do believe that the church yeah i just we've got a show coming up on march 20th that's going to focus on business of the black church Ooh. I just believe that you know that's the center of our <laughs> it, community it, it everything is. passes through the black church so is. Is. is there more that the black church can do it, it are is. the that's black churches connected to your organization
0: it, 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 they yeah. are and, and there is I was but uh, pastor Tyree a great pastor friend oh he's he, great. He, he I love pastor Tyree but he he has an analogy he said look you know the church has to be the one like a referee in a game, they have to call the shots. They have to call the penalty, whether it's on the Republican team or the Democrat mm-hmm. team. They have to be the one to to stand there and say, this is right, because if you look at the referees in any league, they don't work for the teams. Right. They work for the owner. Thank you. And as the church, we have an owner who created it all. Psalms um, wow. 24-1. And so, wow. Pastor Tyree, I give you that shout out because that's that, that word has been blessing me for a long time.
1: Thank you all Thank so you much Blair. for a wonderful show. I look Thank forward to so talking with you all next week. Please, please, please. Get involved. This is not about sitting back and having conversations exclusively. This is about involvement. We'll talk next week. Stay with us online at Black Wall Street Today on Facebook and Black Wall Street Today on Instagram. And then follow us on Twitter as well at BWS Today. We look forward to talking again next week. Have a wonderful day. I have said and I will continue to say that the most important priority for the Black community is the Black community, not a particular political party.